0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit of the Pew podcast in this week's Adult Bible Study as we continue our series through the Book of Romans. We pick back up this week where we left off last week in chapter three, Still, still dealing with the subject of sin, but today we transition and we move from sin to hope, to salvation, and some wonderful verses. So if you're driving, then later, Go back, get your Bible, go to Romans chapter 3, start in verse 10 so you can build up the ugly stuff, the tough stuff, and then come to 21, get your highlighter out, get a pen out, and just start memorizing those verses. There are some great, great verses. So let's jump in. Romans chapter 3, our study through Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Back to Romans 3. This is where we finished off last week. And we're going to pick back up there this week in our journey through Romans. And, and we've been in the subject of sin. Now, can you guys remember chapter 1? After the introduction, who was he referring to in chapter 1 and in, in laying out the sinfulness of these people? Do you remember who it was? With conviction, Miranda's going to say it. I thought she had it. Gentiles, Gentiles. very good. Yeah, she had it. I thought I read her lips. The Gentiles. And so he's laying out in chapter 1 the sinfulness of the Gentiles, and he and shows there's a lot of good, if you're trying to learn how to even debate, not, not that you want to debate, I don't think we should be given to debate, but if, you are, if you're having to have a conversation with some people, there's some good verses in there against atheism, um, against, and about sinfulness, against some of the modern day uh, like homosexuality and things like that in our society, all, all that's dealt with in Romans chapter number 1. When God says, hey, I've warned you, and now you continue, I'll leave you to yourselves, man always goes down these paths, and it's wickedness and sinfulness that happen. And so in chapter 1, then chapter 2, I remember there was another group of people that were saying, that's right, those people are a bunch of sinners. Who was those people? The Jews. Jews. And the first part of that chapter 2 showed the hypocritical Jew that were judging the Gentiles, but doing the exact same things. So they were maybe secretly doing some things, but they were judging the Gentiles and uh, Paul exposes them. Then The last part of that chapter was talking to the religious Jews that just felt like because of their heritage, they had a special favor with God. Now, Jews are God's chosen people, but it doesn't mean that every Jew is going to heaven. Because as we're going to see today, your heritage doesn't get you to heaven. And so they thought because they were of the circumcision, remember there's a term that you're going to see throughout the book of Romans there's the circumcised that's the Jews and the uncircumcised that was the Gentiles back then that was two terminologies that they used to use to um, to kind of separate the two and so they thought that just because that they were Jews or of the circumcision that that was going to get them some special favor and get them into heaven, but it was but it wouldn't and so and so they uh, they, then they got a little bit upset, and as we got into the beginning of chapter number 3, they, Paul kind of addressed three objections that he knew he was going to face. And I don't have memorized those objections. I don't have them in front of me. We could go back. But what the main one that they were focused on is then what advantage do we have of being a Jew? I mean, if we're God's chosen people, but it doesn't guarantee us to go to heaven, and we're still wicked sinners, and God still views us as sinners, then what, what's special about being a Jew? And his answer was... God has worked in your midst this whole time. He gave you the law that exposed sin so that you would know to turn to something greater than, than you. He, you've had God's presence with you throughout your entire history. And if you've read the Old Testament and studied the Jewish history, I mean, from the promise to Abraham and carried on down, God has been with this people. But this people has constantly rejected God. And so we kind of left it there in verse number eight. And I want to pick up today our reading, starting in verse number nine. And the, the text that we're going to read today, and if I end up only stopping in verse 31, which I probably will, there's just too many good verses to not just read down through it. So I hope that you have your Bible. And it's um, as, as throughout this entire series. If not, I'm, I'll be reading for you. But just look at some of these verses. And I want to point out some things today. I'm, going to, I'm viewing you guys as a class that uh, obviously I think you understand sin I think you understand salvation but what I've found a lot of times growing up in church is sometimes we lack confidence in handling the truth of sin and the truth of the gospel salvation and talking to other people about it so we're confident in saying I believe that my works aren't going to get me to heaven but if I were to say okay here's an assignment go to your neighbor and tell them that we're like I don't know about that and then if my neighbor starts saying some things about how doing good gets them to heaven, then uh I don't know what to say, and so I just kind of clam up and I freeze okay well we're going to give you some verses today to equip you that it really are really are helpful because in our society today i don't I don't come across in the midwest here now if I lived in New York or or if I lived in out in California, I think I would run into a lot more um challenges that we would have to face but here in the midwest you don't run into a lot of of kind of crazy way out there ideas they are in the midwest there are some but you don't run into much of that but you will run into a lot of people that just think that hey being a good moral person is going to get me to heaven and though I i just try to do good and I let my good, I try to outweigh my bad, and I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to do pretty good, and, I, and I'll just see what happens when I get to heaven. Well, let's, let's see some verses here a little bit, here, here, mainly towards the end of this lesson, but let's see what God has to say. So we're concluding what I've already introduced, the Jews guilty, the Gentiles guilty. So down in verse nine, and the objections the Jews gave. So in verse nine, he says, what then? Are we, Jews, better than they, Gentiles? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And was, he's referring to his earlier writings. He said, I've already proved to you in chapter one. He, didn't, he wouldn't have said chapter one. We've added those, the we being modern day people. But we, he said, I've already proved in this letter Gentiles are guilty and Jews are guilty. They're all under sin. So if you're following an outline that I gave you at the beginning of the week, Chapter 1, Gentiles guilty. Chapter 2, Jews guilty. Chapter 3, this first part is just the whole world's guilty. Everybody is guilty of sin. Verse 10, here's the verse that if you're going to lead some of the Lord, I like to start right here. Chapter 3, verse 10. This is where I start. As it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. And when you're talking to someone about the gospel and you're sharing with them the gospel, you want to start with the subject of sin, just like he has in this book, a theological book. He's starting with the subject of sin, and, and this is the verse that I like to start in, and it's just showing that there is nobody that's righteous, nobody that could stand before God. Nobody's righteousness earns them a way to heaven. There's none righteous, no, not one. Everybody is a sinner. It doesn't matter who they are, how good they may be, how more they may think they are everybody's a sinner. I didn't give this illustration last week and it just came to my mind on a cuff because I forgot last week, so we'll see if I can remember it. But it's kind of got the mindset of, think about how foolish it would be if someone were standing on the edge of, let's just say, the Atlantic Ocean facing towards Europe. And let's say it was a Gentile first and the Gentile could swim 50 miles and then they drowned. And the Jew laughs at that. He says, I can swim at least 100. And he swims 100 miles, but he drowns. He swam 50 more miles. But is there any clapping in this? They all had the same conclusion. They both died. It, it, in the end, you both died. And so the Jews who kept thinking they were more special, well, you're still just a sinner. You may have got 100 miles. But you had the same conclusion. The conclusion is all sinners are condemned. That's the conclusion. He says, We're all under sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. It seems pretty gloom, and it is. And when I'm leading someone to the Lord and I'm talking to them about this, I start here and I paint it as bad as it could be because we're all sinners. And I leave it, and I usually, and I'll tell you when I get to this other part later, maybe in the, another series, but as I'm leading them to the Lord and I get to just, we're, we're sinners, we're sinners, we're condemned. I show them verses about where, our, where sinners go. And then sometimes I'll jokingly just wrap, close my Bible and say, that's all I got to say. What do you think? And I'm like, that's terrible. I'm like, all right, well, let me tell you the good news. In which we're going to get to the good news today. But that's what he's getting at. He's just saying there's none righteous. No, not one. Look at verse 11. There is none that understandeth. There was none that seeketh after God. They're all putting themselves first is what he's getting at. Verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. He's covering everybody here. We may think that we're good and say, well, I've done some good things, but your good things will never earn you for all the bad that we have done or that we are and he's just blowing that whole argument out of the water he says there's none that do with good no not one and then he starts to describe it in more detail he says their throat is an open sepulcher so he's talking about our words now now open sepulcher today i don't work in the embalming business or any of that stuff i don't want to but back then they didn't have all of that so you imagine they would take you into a tomb and they would, they would kind of bury you. And they would add all those fragrance and all those smells to try to offset the smell. But, he's, but he says here, he's giving an illustration of a sinner's mouth is like an open sepulcher. It's, it's like opening up one of those old graves. The body is decayed and the smell, the stench that would be. He said that's kind of the picture that God has towards the mouth of a sinner. And look, just think about our society today, the foulness of our society in about every show now, they put on—they have to—they have to put foul language. They, it's just like they even going into some Disney shows now. I mean, whatever it is, they have to just put this stuff out there. And the way that kids talk to parents, and the way that parents talk to the kids, and the way that all the music—I mean, it's just the open sepulcher in their throat. It's just—it's—it's it's disgusting to God. He says, "With their tongues, they've used deceit." Think of how much deception is in our society today. Then he says, the poison of asps, that's like a a snake, is under their lips. Think about, I I I hate snakes. I want to move on from this point so quick so I don't have nightmares tonight, all right? I just, I don't like snakes. But I I was watching, I don't know why, but it caught me, those attentions, great attention getter. It says, guy gets bitten by rattlesnake. I'm like, click. All right. (laughs) Let's just ruin my night. Let's just watch this, all right? And it was, was, of course, a clickbait thing because he's walking around with these snake Protected boots on, holding a rattlesnake with something in its mouth. So it's holding it open, showing a bunch of people. And he's walking in a, it's like a nightmare come true. He's walking in a tub full of rattlesnakes. First of all, the guy is mentally ill. Okay, who wants to do that? But he's just walking around, showing everybody, showing the camera. And then this, he's just, I'm just watching every rattlesnake in there. I'm feeling my heart rate going. Then one just grabs him and hits the boot, which his boot only came to here. I'm guessing he's assuming none of them can get up here because I would have thought through every scenario that could possibly happen, but he just walked around this tub full of rattlesnakes by the size of this front part right here. They were just biting his boots. But, um, but <laughs> I said all that to say, the poison of mass, I mean, whenever a snake, the poison of that snake, if you've ever met her, we used to have a guy at church here that got bit over the dam uh, while he's fishing by uh, water moccasin. I had to go to the hospital immediately. Those things are poisonous. And he had to get to the hospital immediately. The pain and the struggle that comes from that, it's always painful. But he's talking about the way the words and the way that people use their tongue in our society. Sinners can be so painful. Think about our social media nowadays. People don't care. They'll hide behind the computer and say whatever they want. Things they would maybe never say to your face, but they'll type it right out. With the poison of their mind, the poison of their tongue, and that's, it's our society today, he's just talking about the sinfulness of man. Then he says, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. A lot of this does come from that bitterness that's in the heart, and it just comes out in the mouth. But then he's going to go to the verse 15, which he says, their feet are swift to shed blood. You think about our society today and the blood that's shed. Just, again, I, my clicking a little bit, but I was scrolling through Twitter and this guy, a news guy, showed a scene from New York City. In New York City, probably a gang thing, you just see two guys running and another guy coming behind and just shoots him right there. And then he just walks by and shoots him a couple of times right down the sidewalk. People just stand around watching. Then he runs off and gets in a car and takes off. Probably a gang-related thing. But the when the... You know someone is kind of maybe sheltered as I am seeing that and I thought how like how I can barely sh- kick my dog away and I want to do that with all the bitterness <laughs> and these people are just shooting others in cold blood but a lot of that I mean we were kind of in our middle midwest section here but if we went to some of these cities and seen what's going on it's the sinfulness of man it's 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 heartbreaking but when you ignore god chapter one this is where you get to and in our society which we are really a post-christian society right now there's not much focus on christian though there's christians out there i don't believe like elijah where you just say well you know we're the only ones no there are many good godly christians out there but overall the influence of our society is very wicked so we're, we, should, we have these kids shooting up schools and people and adults shooting up banks. I mean, they, 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 their feet are swift to shed blood. We get shocked, and we should be saddened by this, but this is all listed under the sinfulness of man. Look at verse 16. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. And this that verse right there seems to strike me as our society. We seem to be a society of people that just speaking of sinfulness of people that have just no peace. There's constant turmoil with everybody fighting. You got fighting from the politics on down. We have we have fighting from the Democrats Republicans. We have fighting with races. We have fighting with. Every, I mean, everybody is just fighting. There's no peace in our society. Everybody has to be has to has to have something that they have to say negative about others or fight, instead of just being, as the biblical would say, loving one another, caring for others. There's constant lack of peace in our society. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That sums up why everything we've read. The reason all of this is happening, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know, that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be guilty before God. That's a big phrase right there. He says, this is to stop every mouth. It's to stop every mouth that's out there. It says, well, I'm good. Nope, look at this. You're a sinner. Yeah, but I, nope, stop that. You're a sinner. But I did, nope, stop. You're a sinner. He says, the law is put there, to stop every mouth. And you know what? If you and I just started lining up those Ten Commandments and started kind of going down through them, and we lined up the Word of God, we're all going to conclude we're sinners. And I know I'm speaking to the choir here because you guys have been saved, so there's come a point in your life when you realize, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of Christ. But that's why Paul spent three chapters talking about it. Because unless you understand the sinfulness of our hearts, we're not going to appreciate the grace of God that he's getting ready to get to in some classic verses. And so the sinfulness of man, he says that every mouth is stopped when it comes to the law. The law was given not to save men. It can't save you. The law was given to expose us and to show us our need. The law shows us that we fall short. And so it exposes who we are. And he says in verse 20, therefore, the conclusion, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You know what deeds of the law are? It's just doing the law. So therefore, by doing the law, no flesh, no human is going to be justified in his sight. For by the law is knowledge of sin. That's a huge verse that's going to lead us into some of the greatest verses in the Romans. But it's because so many, that this word justified is a big word justified means in a simplified way declared righteous some like to say just as if i'd never sinned but it's declared righteous justified is when i get to heaven i want to stand before god and be justified declared righteous not by my standards but by god's standards so that's what we're after how can i be justified when i stand before god And so he's saying if you try to stand before God and you want to hear him say you're justified and all you have to present is here's what I've done, you won't be justified. You won't be declared righteous and allowed into heaven. Because the works of the law, he says, do not justify you in his sight. Because the law was just given to reveal and give knowledge of sin. So when the law came, all of a sudden we look and say, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Well, lying is a sin. I'm a liar. I, thou shalt not whatever. And we see the law exposes our sin. But look at verse, the first two words of verse 21. Because after dealing with three chapters of sin, 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 look at those first two words. The greatest, the greatest transition in all of the Bible. Verse 21. But now but now the righteousness of god without the law is manifest it is revealed here it is being witnessed by the law and the prophets it's been talked about since the old testament even the righteousness of god which is what's those next two words by faith of jesus christ did you catch that he didn't say by the works of the law he says, now, if you want to be justified and you're bringing your good works, you will not be justified. But now God has revealed, just like he revealed in the Old Testament, he has revealed the way to be justified, the way to have righteousness and to be into heaven. He says, it is by faith. By faith in who? Of Jesus Christ. Then he says, unto all and upon all them that believe. That is a, just the clearest verse possible. That this verse, and along with a few others that I'm going to emphasize here today, just blow the argument out of the water that people say, well, I just do good works and that gets me to heaven. No, look at this last part of Romans. All you got to say, if you ever hear someone say, just go, go to the end of Romans chapter three. Because he said, it's only by faith in Jesus Christ and that is available to all and it's upon all them that believe. Not to do this but that believe, that's faith. He says, for there is no difference, for there is no difference, them that believe, for there is no difference. That's, verse 23 is what I want to get to. For all of sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's summarizing, that's the second verse I go to, by the way, when I'm leading someone to of the Lord. He's summarizing what he just talked about. He said, everybody's a sinner. We all come short of the glory of God. We all come short of heaven. But then verse 24, being justified, look at that next word, freely, How? By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's a lot to unpack there. I'll try to do it quickly. So we're justified. That's what we're looking for. I'm looking for to get to heaven and God declare me righteous. But I can't do it in my own strength. Doing good's not going to get me there. So how am I justified? Well, he says, number one, it's going to be freely. Well, I like that sound of that. It's free on my part, but it costs someone something. And we're going to get to that. But on my part, it was free. There's nothing I could do. There's nothing that I, I, I earned to get me there. It was freely. And then it says, by his grace, that's talking about Jesus from the last verse, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know what the word redemption means? To redeem something. It's got the idea of to buy back. So if you were to redeem something, I'm trying to think of like in a store or something, you go and you buy it, you redeem it. The word redeem means to, to buy back something. So what he's saying here is this, that you and I are not justified by our works. We're justified by his grace. And his grace came from the buying up that came in Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus Christ died on that cross, when he, when he was buried and rose again, he paid the price that was pay, uh, owed. He paid that price for us The price was a perfect sacrifice just like if you're studying the Old Testament a perfect lamb none of us are perfect I'm not looking at a perfect group and you're not looking at a perfect teacher but Jesus is God who died for us on the cross he was the perfect sacrifice he redeemed us from our sin he was the redemption and that's what he talks about the redemption that's only in Christ Jesus so a good verse there if you want to talk to someone about the gospel then look at verse 25 Because there's another big word that's a good one. Whom God, talking about Jesus, whom God has sent forth to be the propitiation. Now, we don't use that word a lot. Unless you went to Bible college, you may not just go around saying the word propitiation. And even if you went, you didn't say it. You wrote it on a test, maybe. But propitiation means the satisfaction of wrath. So God, in his holiness, looks at chapter one, the sinfulness, chapter two, the sinfulness, Chapter 3, the sinfulness. And in God's holiness, his wrath is poured out on sin. God did not create mankind for hell. But because of mankind's sin, he created hell for Satan and the demons and the fallen angels. Because of mankind's sin, and we'll get to in chapter number 5, Adam and Eve's sin, and that we inherited all through them and then our sin, Now mankind in their sin will die and spend eternity in hell. And the only way to be free from that is what we've been talking about. It's not our own deeds, but it's what the righteousness that's placed on our account because of what Jesus bought us out of the bondage of sin. He was the redemption on that cross. But then the word propitiation, which is what I was getting at, the word propitiation is that wrath of God that he pours out on sinful man. But it means the satisfaction of wrath. Well, what satisfied God's wrath? What cooled him off? What, what cooled off the wrath of God was that a sacrifice had been paid for those sins. And that was Jesus Christ. He says, whom, he's referring to Jesus. God has set forth to be the propitiation. Look at those next two words, they're huge. Through faith. I, I if you like to write in your Bible in the next few verses i would underline highlight right over all these times that say through faith through faith through faith and anytime you hear somebody say it's your works that get you to heaven or something that you have to do just go to romans 3 and look at how many times he says through faith through faith through faith he never mentions works matter of fact verse 20 he said it's not by the deeds of the law so it's through faith in his blood, that's the death of Jesus, to declare his righteousness for the remission or the removal of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Some big words here, but great theological verses. He's saying Jesus redeemed you. He satisfied the wrath of God only by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now we can be declared righteous. Now if we stand before God, we are declared righteous not because of anything we've done but because we say, I'm with Jesus Christ. You know if my kids come into the bank and they have, there's a, there's a, a section that closes off and it says employees only. And you can't go back there. We'll arrest you do it. No, we, can't, we won't, but you can't go back there. But my kids can go back there. You know why? Because they'll say, that's my dad. And they come in with me. And I can get them back there. And so can Ryan and Nicole's kids, because they come in with me, and I'm like, all right, you guys can come on back here. But they point to, to me, and they say, he works here. I'm with him. And they can go back. You know what? When we get to heaven, we're not going to say, hey, let me in, because look at all that I've done. No, no, no. We're going to say, I don't deserve it, but I'm with him, Jesus. He's paid the price for me. And he's redeemed me. And now we can be declared righteous because of what Jesus has done. That's verse 25 and, and verse 24. Look at verse 26. says, To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So did you see that the justifier? Jesus is just, and he justifies everybody that believes in Jesus. So, I'm looking at a room full of people, I'm assuming, that have believed in Jesus. You've placed your faith in Jesus. And when you did that, that moment, you were justified. You know, we don't usually say that. The pastor doesn't get up and say, hey, today Nicole was justified. We'd all look at him like, eh, can we word that a little different? Because that's not our modern name. We don't use that. But that's, in a sense, what happened. When you got saved, you were justified by Jesus Christ, by believing in Jesus. Now, look at the question he asked in verse 27. He says, where is boasting then? So based on what I've just told you, where is boasting? Who can boast? I kind of picture this way. If I take my opening illustration, let's say I'm a Gentile. And I'm swimming from the Atlantic Ocean to try to get to Europe. And I swim 50 miles. And then I'm going to drown And I'm out there just crying. I'm going to drown. I can't believe I can't feel my legs. I'm scared of sharks. And I would be doing all of this, but I'm crying. Probably about, about one mile, but I'd be doing all this. Then a boat comes by and picks me up. And I get on that boat, and I ride that boat all the way to Europe. How dumb would I look if I went, hey, I did it, guys. Look at me. I did it. I set off in the Atlantic to swim all the way across, and I made it all the way here. And some of you are going to go, didn't you just get off that boat? You didn't do anything. You rode a boat across the Atlantic Ocean. Congratulations. You didn't swim it. You made it a mile, Brad, if I would have made it that. And that's what a lot of people want to think. They're like, hey, I, I've, I'm here. He says, where is boasting? There's no boasting in salvation. I didn't do anything, I didn't die on the cross, I didn't justify myself. If anything, I just keep blowing it. I just keep, I kept making mistakes. I kept sinning. But God in His, is the word in verse 25, in His forbearance, He saved me because I cried out to Him like a drowning swimmer saying, I can't. I need you. And we climbed on the boat, if I could say that respectfully of Jesus Christ, all of our trust on Him. And He is one. So when we stand before God, there's no boasting, oh, hey, Guess what, guys? You're about to get Brad McClure in heaven. Here I come. No, there's no boasting in me. There's no boasting in you. He says, where is boasting? He says, it's excluded. By what? By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Boasting is no longer there because I didn't do anything. It's the law of faith. I placed my faith in Christ, and he saved me when I was drowning. He, said, he redeemed me when I was sold into slavery of sin. He redeemed me out of all of that. He gets all of the glory. So verse 28, Therefore we conclude that man is justified, look at these next two words, by faith, and then next three, without the deeds of the law. Can that be any more clear to anyone that thinks they're going to do, they're going to do something to get them to heaven? Paul concluded this section by saying, we are justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It's not by keeping the law. It's only by faith. And that's going to be important in this entire series. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision, that's Jews, by faith, and uncircumcision, Gentiles, through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. And so he's now transitioned from, if I was to give you an outline, Roman number one, sin, he has now transitioned to talking about salvation. And in those verses, verses 21 down through 31, he has just changed everything. Because he said, we're sinners, we're sinners, we're sinners. And now he says, but here is the hope, the hopes in Jesus Christ he satisfied god's wrath he bought you out of sin he freely redeemed you he freely justified you everything is free it's only through faith in jesus christ now here's what he's going to do next week when we come back next week he's going to go to chapter four and these jews are going to be like yeah we'll see is that did that happen in the old testament he's going to say let's take abraham oh they're all going to say oh abraham that's our hero He's going to say, let me show you how Abraham was justified by faith, not by his works. And he's going to illustrate that all next week in chapter number four. So we'll get to that then. All right. Let's close in prayer.